Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Amen, amen, amen. As I was praying uh, about this a uh, couple weeks ago, actually a month or so ago, God really spoke to me and he told me, Javier, you're going to talk to them on how they're made for this. So the title of this service or this sermon is Made for This. And we are going to, this is something that I feel like it was so close to my heart because of the fact that Azariah was coming. And I was constantly praying over Alicia's womb and praying for Azariah and just like speaking to him in English and in Spanish. And so uh, the more I kept praying for him, I'm like, God, like I really want like, like a word for my son. Like I, I want to have a fresh word to speak over him even when he's in, 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 in his mother's womb. And, and he took me to Jeremiah, which, which for some of you guys may be like, oh, I already know where you're going. But I believe that tonight the Holy Spirit is going to open our eyes to this scripture in a very uh, different way. But let's go to the book of Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 um, uh, Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 and we're going to see kind of let me give you a little bit of context Jeremiah is talking and he encounters God and God starts speaking to him about his purpose in this world and I'm reading to you from the New Living Translation because as you probably figured out by now I'm Mexican and I have an accent and the King James Version is tough for me to to say uh, just being honest right here Jeremiah chapter 1 uh, verse, uh, verse 5, this is God speaking to him. And this is what the Lord says. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. This verse I used to hear when I was a little boy. And that meant something then. But it means something completely different to me right now. Because God is telling Jeremiah, yo, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Here we're seeing that God is the one that made us. And God is the one that knows us even from that moment. Before you were born, the Lord continued. I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. O sovereign Lord, I say, this is Jeremiah replying, I cannot speak for you. I am too young. And I think that this is part of human nature, just always excusing ourselves, always looking at our shortcomings. But this is what I love, that God is able to see past and beyond our shortcomings. And this is what the Lord replies, don't say I am too young. Don't even acknowledge your shortcomings. I am aware of, of your limitations. I am aware aware of your limitations. Don't even acknowledge your shortcomings. Don't say, I'm too young for you must go whatever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, Luke, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. And saints, really what I see from God are like a list of six different things that we see from, from from these verses in Jeremiah number one God made you 
I want you to know this. I, I don't know you. I don't know your past. I don't know where you come from. But God made you. Number two, God knew you. Even in that moment, he knew you. He didn't know of you. He was intimately connected and invested in you. Number three, God called you. All of you guys have a calling. There's nobody in this world that is here without a purpose or without a reason. You were made on purpose and with a purpose. There's a reason why you're here. If there's still breath in your lungs, if there's still oxygen in your blood, there is still a reason why you are here tonight come on number four God commended you God commended you number five God filled you with gifts and number six God filled you with purpose and that's something that I knew about my son as I am praying this scripture over my son I knew that God had made him that God knew him that God had had given him a calling that God has a commending for him that God filled him with gifts and that God filled him with purpose but um from your mother's womb, from Alicia's womb, God implanted a plan over Azariah's life. So from your mother's womb, God crafted, hear this out, check this out. He crafted a detailed plan for you. God crafted a detailed plan from you. And, and that's what I love, that when God talks about plans, Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, later down in this book, he says that, hey, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans of good and not of evil to give you hope and future. I know a lot of people that they're walking around in life without hope and without future. And the reason behind it is because they do not know God's plan for their life. If they only knew the plan, they will know that they can live with hope and a future. That's the reason why I wake up every day super excited. I mean, I am so far away from my country. I am so far away from my family. I mean, you guys had a chance to meet my baby. My parents haven't had a chance to meet my baby. But guess what? I'm okay. Why? Because I know I'm fulfilling God's plan for my life. And whenever the time comes, we're going to have a blast together. Right? But that's the reason why I'm not depressed. That's the reason why I'm not uh, uh, anxious. That's the reason why I am hopeful because I know that I have a purpose and I am living towards that purpose every single day. That's something that Pastor Aaron and I get to talk about here a lot. He's like, man, we're living the dream. Like legit, like we're living the dream. It may not be the dream of, of a superstar, the dream of somebody else, but it's our dream because it's God's dreams for us. So every single day I wake up excited. Like yesterday I was working on, on this sermon until 2 in the morning. And, you know, I'm already a sleep-deprived human by having a baby. But guess what? I was excited. Why? Because I am living God's plan for my life. And God's plan for your life will create an excitement every single day. It will give you an excitement every single day. So from your mother's womb, God crafted a detailed plan for you. Now, all of you guys have gifts and attributes given to you from your mother's womb by God. God gave you guys gifts and attributes from your mother's womb. You cannot change that. You cannot get rid of them. You just have them and you will have them forever. So you better do something with them now because you know you will just have them, right? Until the moment you go home to hopefully be with the Lord. But the gifts and attributes given to you from your mother's womb were given to you so you could fulfill God's plan for your life. But also so you could bless others but also so you could transform others, but also so you could bring others back to Jesus and also so you could bring glory to the king and his kingdom. Like there's a reason behind your, your gifts and your callings and your attributes and we're gonna dive into that in a little bit. But first I want you to know these saints, the world is waiting. Like, like for real, the world is waiting. 
uh, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. We actually created a series called The World is Waiting last year. It actually became super popular. Then other youth groups in other states started taking everything we made, and they just started preaching about it. And a friend of mine was like, yo, they're copying us. I was like, no, they're not copying us. They were just so blessed by this series that they are just taking it as their own. And I'm okay with that because the world is waiting. Really, the world is waiting. And I got that when I was praying, and that's from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 19. Go there with me, please. Uh, but in Romans, chapter 8, verse 19, we have uh, Paul, the apostle. I can hear his excitement. I've heard a lot of preachers say that they don't do drugs, but they do Romans 8. That's like the cocaine for preachers. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing to say, but you understand what I'm trying to say. Of course, they're going to be like, oh, of course, the Mexican talking about cocaine. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. You guys got to forgive me. My wife left already. Gosh, good. Um, Romans 8, 19. This is Paul speaking. and He's writing to, to Rome, to the Romans. He's, he's telling them a lot about the gospel, and he's giving them a lot of revelation. And all of a sudden, right in the middle of Romans 8, he just goes and says, For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. This literally means that in the creation, in the world, there are people waiting eagerly. That, that word eagerly, the translation of eagerly, is literally the same definition of uh, the symptom that a drug addict feels when they don't have their drug. That like need for it, like that, that eagerness for it, that's the same eagerness that is translated into this world, into this word. So the world, the creation is eagerly waiting for the revelation of the sons and daughters of God. So in a few words, saints, the world is waiting for you to walk in your true identity as a son and a daughter. They're literally waiting for you to walk in your true identity. And so I kind of give a little bit of a paraphrase. I translated it from Spanish to English. And I realized that the world is waiting with eager expectation for the revelation of the sons and daughters of God. Like literally the world is waiting. Um, one day I was scrolling through Facebook. I don't know if you guys remember this old app, Facebook. Now we have Be Real and Instagram. But uh, when Facebook was a thing, I was scrolling through it before a, a, a service. I should have been praying, but I think that God led me to that. And I saw a, a video, and God is like, just, just kind of stop and, and watch that video. And in the video, it kind of says, like, hey, watch this man. And so they kind of put like the red circle and those videos that kind of take forever. And you know that you should not be wasting your time on the videos. But you're just invested now. I mean, you already spent 40 seconds of your time. Might as well spend the other five minutes there. And, and there's like, you, there's a, it's like a train station in India. And, and there's like a ton of people. But then you see one guy kind of like walking near the railroad. And then he kind of looks back. And, and, and it kind of looks like he's in a hurry. Like you just see him like looking for the train. Then he kind of just looks back, paces around a little bit, then looks for the train again. And then the guy just kind of like sees the train coming, jumps into the train and just commits suicide. So as, as I watched that, God is like, you know what's the saddest part about this over here? Oh, because they, they finished the story of him. They said that in his pocket, they found a note saying that his wife was super sick. She was like terminal in bed, like she was gone. He didn't have enough money to provide for his family and that his kids were like starving. And so he kind of said like, I'm sorry, I have no more hope. This is it. That was his solution. And then as I'm like talking to God and praying through, he's like, Javier, what if I told you that I had sons and daughters in that crowd? That I was telling them, hey, talk to that person. Bring hope to that person. Just say something to that person. And that just literally changed the way I thought about the world is waiting. Because saying, do you guys know people that are dealing with physical illnesses? Or you know people that are dealing with heartbreak? 
Or you know people that are struggling with an addiction. And instead of saying our typical God bless you or I will be praying for you, why don't we pray for them right there and then? Right? All of us have been blessed with giftings and callings and attributes and those are given to us so we could bless others. So, so really my purpose with me sharing this with you today is so you can know that there's a reason behind why you have what you have. Right? Because all of you guys have something. Like literally, you can even be like, oh no, God didn't give me anything. No, all of you guys have something. God has given all of us different kinds of gifts so we can be a blessing to one another. And here's the thing, we're going we're gonna to see someone in the Bible that kind of didn't have necessarily a spiritual gifting. She just had a physical attribute. And she even used that physical attribute to make sure that her life brought glory to God. And she used that physical attribute to bring glory to the kingdom of heaven and bring freedom to the people of God. And this lady's name is Esther. I hope I'm saying it correctly. In Spanish, she's Esther. But you guys know the story. I'm kind of going to jump through the book of Esther really quick and tell you um, just a little bit of who, of who she is. But I'm sure you guys are aware of her story. Like this is a, a, a woman that is in another, in another area, in another country, and then they do this like beauty contest type thingy, right? And so she's in this like beauty contest and... and and but she's like a foreigner right she looks completely different than everyone around her and so the bible actually starts detailing things about about this beauty contest and one of the things that i found very interesting is that whoever was chosen to be part of this beauty contest they were going to spend 12 months pretty much in, in like a spa trip for 12 months all of the ladies say amen right 12 months. I mean, imagine 12 months every single day. The Bible talks about like they had like the best honey for them and the best lavender and this and that. And I mean, I don't let my wife read that verse because she will expect me to pay for 12 months of, of that. Just a joke. Just a joke. But um, then the king sees everyone and, and she gets a chance to see Esther. And the Bible says that he just thought she was super pretty. I mean, he was just like, you're the prettiest woman I've ever seen and you're going to become the queen now, right? So then as the story continues, um, Esther didn't tell this guy from a foreign country that she was an Israelite, that she belonged to the people of God. But then through a lot of different circumstances, uh, they wanted to kill all of the Israelites, all of the people of God. And so something that I love is that she went to her, her uncle and I want you to go with me to the book of Esther chapter 4. I'm going to read a little bit uh, of her story. Esther chapter 4. And again, by this time, they have made like an official kind of rule that at this date and at this time, they're going to kill um, all of the people of God. So uh, Esther chapter 4 verse 1 says, when Mordecai learned about all that had been done, he tore his clothes. This is her uncle. He tore his clothes, put on burlap and ashes, and went out into the city crying with loud and bitter wail. He went as far as the gate of the palace, for no one was allowed to enter the palace gate while wearing clothes of mourning. And as news of the king's decree reached out, reached all the provinces, there was great mourning amongst the Jews. They fasted, wept, and wailed, and many people lay in burlap and ashes. I mean, imagine that all of a sudden somebody just says, hey, every single person in this group of people, they're all going to die in six months type thing. Everybody was just like mourning, and every single morning they would wake up, they would realize that they are closer to their 
you know, they, when they're going to die. But verse 4 says that when Queen Esther's maids and uh, eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was deeply distressed. She sent clothing to him to replace the burlap, and he refused it. Then Esther sent for that guy, uh, one of the king's eunuchs who had been appointed as her attendant. She ordered him to go to Mordecai and find out what was troubling him and why he was mourning. Right now she understands that there's mourning in that group of people, but I'm a queen now, so she's in the palace and she's okay and she's protected right there, right? She's in her comfort zone, right? And saints, you and I know that God's plan cannot be fulfilled. God's plan for our life will never be fulfilled inside of our comfort zone. Mordecai told him the whole story, including the exact amount of uh, money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for destruction for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai gave uh, that guy a copy of the decree issued in Susa that called for the death of the Jews. He asked uh, that guy uh, to show Esther and explain the situation to her. He also asked the same guy uh, to direct her to the king uh, to beg for mercy and plead for her uh, people. So that same guy returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. So can you see, this is like a, a soap opera, right? Me, I'm like Latino. I grew up with these things. Like this thing is getting like tense for real. Like there's a big, big buildup, but look up what's about to happen here. Then Esther told that guy to go back and relate this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king's has not called for me to come to him in 30 days. So that guy gave Esther the message, gave Esther's message to Mordecai. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. This is where I want to land with you guys for a second. Don't think for a moment that because you are in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. For such a time as this. God's grace and purpose was all over Esther ever since she was a little girl. I'm sure that everybody was aware that she was really pretty, right? And Esther could have been selfish and used her beauty to grow a huge Instagram following. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not. Or to become a model or, or to become an actress, which those things are okay. But what's the reason behind that? She could have been selfish with her attribute and her gifting and just kind of think about herself. But I love how Mordecai, her uncle, goes like, what if you were pretty? Like, what if God made you pretty just so you could become queen and then you could save all of the Jews? What if this is the reason behind your prettiness? And you're just allowing beauty standards to change you. What if the reason of your gifting of, of, of being a doctor is for you to actually save people's life? Or what if the reason behind you being a lawyer is for you to help people through tough situations? What if the purpose, you know what I mean? There's a reason, there's a bigger purpose behind your gifting sometimes than what you're aware of. There's, there's always a bigger purpose. I love what Mr. Womack says that if you're not living on the edge, you're taking too much space, right? Our life, we should be living them uh, on the edge. We should be living life on the edge because there's a bigger purpose to all of our giftings. And here's the thing. Uh, I remember I was in Mexico and I was like starting to preach. And, and I went to, to this government's office with my parents. And that's when I was barely getting started into like praying for the sick people. I was just brand new to this whole gospel thingy. 
And, and I'm just sitting down, and days before I was praying, I'm like, God, let me see revival. I heard a story of an American preacher getting uh, on top of a cashier's, like, you know, that little band uh, in a Walmart. And, and, and he preached the gospel in Walmart. So I'm like, God, I would love to preach the gospel in a public place. Like, that was my prayer that morning. And I was telling my mom, I was like, Mom, like, I don't know. Like, have you heard this story? I would love to do that. Well, we're in this government's official office place. Um, and there's a ton of people. There's, like, cubicles and a ton of people. And I don't know what I'm doing there. I'm just my mom. And I'm sitting down, and I look to the right, and I see uh, um, a walker next to the desk. And I just see, you know, just a, a lady there. So I just feel prompt to go talk to her. So I just get up out of my chair with my mom. I'm like, hey, I'm just going to go to the bathroom real quick. And her desk was empty, so I just sit down in front of her. And I'm like, hey, she's like, can I help you? I was like, no, not really. Um, um, what happened to you? Imagine, I'm 18-year-old little dude in Mexico just like walking to somebody so he can be like what happened to you and she's like ah oh, I had like a tumor in my knee they like were trying to fix it they got the tumor out but now my knee is forever like messed up I will never again be able to walk perfectly that's what the doctor said I was like well they're wrong and she just looks at me and I'm like yeah I just really believe uh, that I know somebody else that can fix you and she goes, oh, really? Like, can you give me his phone number? I'm like, actually, you can meet him in like about two minutes. Um, and so anyways, I end up praying for her. And she didn't believe me. You should, I wish you guys, somebody would have recorded me and you guys would have seen her face. She was kind of like, all right, sure, here you go. So I just like put my hand on her knee. I'm like, in the name of Jesus Christ, I speak healing over this knee, full mobility. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I was like, now, and she looks at me and she goes, now what? I'm like, just now just get up and, and walk. You're healed now. So she legit starts like taking one step and another step and the skepticism left her face and she starts realizing like, crap, I'm, I'm healed. Like my knee is okay. So this is what started happening. No, no, it's about to get better. It's about to get better. Every single person in that office and full of cubicles and people, they stopped doing what they were doing and they're just looking at her. All of her coworkers are like so shocked and so amazed and they're like, what happened? She's in tears and she's like, this pastor prayed for me. And they're like, which pastor? And I was like, which pastor? <laughs> and so then people started lining up so I could pray for them. They were like pulling out their phones or like pictures out of their wallets and just, can you pray for my son? Can you pray for my daughter? I'm praying for a lot of people. There's like 50 people in this room. Somebody locks the door. I get in a chair and I start preaching the gospel. I just start telling people that Jesus Christ is alive, that there's salvation in his name. It gets better. Everybody's supposed to be at work and they are not doing work stuff, right? So then the boss comes and she goes, uh, what are you guys doing? And they go like, the pastor is praying and all of that. And she's like, okay, pray for me. So as I'm praying for her, God just tells me to tell her this word. And I literally was like, hey, ma'am, I don't know you, but I just really feel like God put you in this position uh, so you could be a blessing to others and not to bless yourself. And the room went like, ooh. Well, she was the boss over this department in the government, but she was taking a lot of money for her, right? And so Esther could have taken that same position of this lady, using her beauty and her attribute and her gifting just to bless herself. But she just decided to obey God, and she brought freedom to the Jews, to the people of God. And so I, I want you to know something, because people always wonder what's God's plan in their life, and I'm actually have to rush right now. Um, but... What's in your hand? Like if you're just like really thinking about it too much, don't think about it too much. What's in your hand? What are you good at? Let, let, let's not go further. What do you currently do? And how can you impact people with what you currently do? 
There's three people here in this room that I'm going to talk to you about that they use what was in their hand to bless my life in many, many ways. Number one, um, uh, here's Miss Susie right here. Miss Susie, raise your hand so everybody can get to see you. Miss Susie. So Miss Susie, she's one of like the medical people that was there when, you know, everything was happening with Azariah. Actually, her shift was over and she had to go home. But she decided to stay longer to make sure that my wife and my baby were okay. And she stayed hours. I'm talking about hours. She had no business. She was already there all night. She had no business staying there with us. But her heart and her passion for people and just to do what God was telling her to do just really made a huge impact in, in my life and in my wife's life because we knew that she was not supposed to be there. But guess what? She was there. So, Miss Susie, thank you so, so much for using your life to impact others. Then I have another person. My barber, Chris, Chris, just raise your hand. Come on, Chris, raise your hand. That's my barber. Uh, quick plug, if you need a haircut as cool as this, go to Chris at Cuts by Chris on Instagram. He's the best. But Chris, he literally is here after a long day, back to back to back to back appointments with people. But, you know, he's probably one of the most gifted barbers in this area, like for real. And he sits down with people, and every time people sit in his chair, I just see him encouraging people, blessing people, giving them just a little bit of an uplift. You know, people come and they just like, you know, throw up on him emotionally. And he's just like, no, nah, man, you can do this, you can do that. So, Chris, thank you so much for letting your life be an impact for others. Thank you for using your gifting. And last but not least, one of my best friends, Kyle. Kyle, raise your hand. Where are you at, Kyle? Kyle, raise your hand, Kyle. Come on. There is Kyle. Give it up for Kyle. So Kyle is somebody that could have just let his, um, his career, just kind of be focused on his career and on himself. But he, after he's at work and then spends time with his family, he spends hours every single night building a huge community on Twitch. He has like over 70,000 followers on TikTok. And he's just encouraging people left and right on social media. And a lot of people are like, man, I had no hope. Then I came to your streams and now my life is getting transformed. And that's something that I applaud of you, Kyle. So Kyle, I love you, man. Thank you for letting your giftings impact others. And as I said, I'm going to have to rush through this thing. But saints, you don't need to be a preacher to make an impact in the kingdom of God. No. Uh, all of these people that I just talked about and a bunch of you guys that I know, you use what's in your hand to fulfill God's plan for your life. And you're not waiting until you become a full-time preacher behind the pulpit to make a positive impact. And that's the way I believe that we're going to be able to make a bigger impact in our city. And so uh, I have a quick story to tell you. There's this competition uh, called Red Bull Batalla, which is the biggest Spanish freestyle competition in the world, impacting dozens of millions of people globally. And, and last, this year I was able to finally, I just, I, I've been wanting to do this since I was 13 years old. You know, when I was single, I tried, it didn't work. When I was living in Mexico, I tried, it didn't work. And then I was like, well, I'm going to give up on it at the beginning of this year. God spoke to me. He said, hey, enlarge your tents. I was like, well, I'm going to give this a shot one more time. And I get selected. Out of 7,000 people, they chose 32. I was one of the 32 selected for this in the United States. Then I go to, to LA and everybody for regionals, and everybody knows that I'm a preacher, that I'm a full-time youth pastor. They don't even speak Spanish. Like Spanish is no longer my first language anymore. I just speak English all the time, and I stutter when I speak Spanish. It's the weirdest thing in the world. But I go to regionals in LA, and, and I place second, and I qualify to nationals in my first year. Come on. 
And, and, and then I go to Miami, and everybody knows that I'm this preacher guy. And even Red Bull, that's a whole company. They know that I'm a Christian. They know what I stand for. They know my values. And, and then we're doing a picture. There's a picture I want to show you. That we're doing a picture. Uh, there's a picture where there's like the 16 competitors, and they go, hey, Javier, we need you at the front center. And I just was able to see how God just kept giving me grace and favor and grace and favor. And, you know, uh, something that I, that I just really, really love is that through all of those things, I was, you know, all over the news in Mexico. Um, uh, and, and then I went, as I said, I went to, to Miami and, and people was able to see the front end of what I did in Miami, but they didn't see the behind the scenes of how I was praying for people. I was ministering for, for people. I was setting the captives free. There was people with addiction that I was able to encounter and impact. And, and that was one way that I was able to use one of the giftings that I thought they were gone. I was able to use it for the glory of God. So saints, I just want to tell you with this that sometimes you think that your time is over. Sometimes you may think that, 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 that your time passed and that, and that that dream or that vision is, is gone, but I want to tell you that it's never too late. If you give that to God, if you surrender that to God tonight, I believe that he will use it. And I don't know how he does it, but I know he does it. He will multiply it and explode it and do something amazing with it. I tried for years and years and years on my own to make an impact in that world and I was never able to do it. But when I heard from God about it, I just surrendered it to him. I gave it to him and he did something amazing with it. And so what I want to tell you with this is that maybe you're like an Esther. That you just have a gifting and an attribute and you're made for such a time as this. You're made, if your Romans says that if your gift is giving, then give. If your gift is encouraging, then encourage. Don't, don't look to have somebody else's gifting. Just whatever your gifting is, just use it for the glory of God. Amen. I have a little bit more to tell you, but before I go there, where's Eva? Eva's going to come and share something really quick with you. Uh, I ran out of time a little bit. But, yes, here's Eva. She's one of our superstar interns. Uh, so, Eva, rock it. Okay. Thank you, Javier, for that intro. So, first of all, I want to... Thank our amazing pastors for giving the opportunity for students to be able to grow in their giftings and callings and also give the new generation a chance to shine. So I want to look about the story of the, two, the boy with the two fish and the five loaves. So I want to just focus in on really the boy and his perspective of why he came up to Jesus. So he came up to Jesus because I think he knew his stuff. It doesn't say this in the Bible, but I believe that this boy, he's 12 or 13 years old, but he knew his stuff. He knew the history of the Israelites. He knew the faithfulness of God and that he always came through no matter what. He never failed the Israelites. So he brought him what he had. Because he knew he couldn't do anything with what he had, but he knew that his God is faithful and he could do great things with it. So I want to look at the scripture of Hebrews 10.23 and it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Our God is such a faithful God. And I want to just say that we need to be childlike. We need to be like this little boy. We need to bring what we have because what we have, we can't do anything with it. But God can do such great things. He can create miracles. He can multiply it abundantly. 
Okay, and so I want to look at Psalms 31, 23. And it says, I love the Lord, all his saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful. So we also have a part to play. We need to be faithful to step out and give what we have. If we don't give anything, God has nothing to work with. So I also wanted to look at Jesus's reaction to the little boy. Was he like, this is cute, you know, that you brought this. But do you see the need? Like, do you see how many people I need to provide for? And you think this is going to be enough? No, God celebrated. He was like, thank you, Lord, for this provision. And guess what? He blessed what he had, and it started to multiply radically. Okay. So you can find offering envelopes on the seat pockets behind the chairs. And the offering stations are by the doors. Make sure you insert the offering on the slot rather than placing the envelope on top. Thank you. Good job. Come on, give it up for Eva. And, <laughs> and I have one more scripture uh, to tell you. I ran out of time. But in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, we have Paul encouraging a congregation. And he, he's telling everyone, he's saying, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So I don't know what you do. But whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. If you're a part of this house and in this congregation, I believe we can bless each other with our gifts. So let's do it all for the glory of God. And so I just want to take a little bit of time just to pray over you guys, just to pray over what you have. And I want every single person here, just close your eyes real quick. And, and I want you to, to ask yourself this question, uh, and not in a condemning way, but ask yourself this question. Are you using what you have from God for His glory? Why are you using it for yourself, right? Because if you're using it for yourself, maybe you can be somewhat successful, but you're gonna be limited. But once you do what you have, once you use what you have for the glory of God, that's when the supernatural multiplication of the Holy Spirit will come over your life. And so I believe that today is the best day for us to say, Jesus, I surrender to you. So whether you're here in person or online, I want to encourage you, let's all surrender to God again. But especially there's people here that you've never, never, you know in your heart of hearts that you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that today is a day of salvation. The Bible says that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have fallen short, but God in His incredible grace and mercy sent Jesus Christ to die for us. And now through Jesus, we can have a great relationship with God again. So if you want to make this prayer of surrender, I want you to say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, tonight I surrender my life to you. I surrender my giftings. I surrender my calling. And I surrender every single attribute you've given me. I want to live my life for your glory and not for my glory. Thank you, Jesus, because I believe you will multiply what's in my hand. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen, amen, amen. Pastor. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com. 
or call us at 719-418-4000.